this morning I am starting a new series here at the church. And I am excited about this series because it was during my time off that God gave me this word. Because I shared with you on the 5th of July. Was it the 5th of July? No. Was it the 5th of July? I can't remember anymore. Whenever I preach last. Can I get an amen from somebody? Whenever I preach last. Oh. God had given me a statement called identity theology, identity theology. And, and at first when I heard that word, I was confused. I was like, God, what do you mean by identity theology? Because the only thing we hear identity right now is identity politics. Because you know that everything that we watch and see right now is all about politics. Come on, turn your Facebook on for a second. Some of us be, have become political. Can I get an amen? Um, and, and can I just take a sidebar for a second? Can I, can I just say this real quick? This is not a rebuke. This is just my encouragement for you. Make sure that you're as much spiritual as you are political. Because at the end of the day, presidents don't decide, God does. Let's make sure that our words that come out of our mouth are more God than they are. Amen? Because that gets misconstrued, but the word of God cannot be. You cannot argue with word. Amen? And so, uh, and so I, I, God said identity theology. And I said, God, what do you mean by identity theology? He said, but Brian, I want you to remind the people who their identity is in. Because this culture right now, the timing right now, is so bent on peasing everyone else rather than taking a stand. If we don't say this, or if we do say this, or if we don't post this, or if we do post this, or if we say it this wrong way, and then we get annihilated by people who don't even know us, but yet they have a desire to destroy us on social media because it's some reason they're right to inflict pain on people they don't know. Come on, work with me for a second. Where you, get, where you get blasted if you don't say this word, or if you say it in a different way, or if you don't... Uh, Come on, it's enough. The truth be told is that the only thing that identifies me is the creator that created me. You cannot identify this being. You cannot identify this heart. You cannot identify this soul. Only one that can identify me is God. And as a creation of the almighty God, I need to make sure that my identity is found in him. Because if I show you anything else, then I will distract you from the things of God and place you into the position to be ensnared by the enemy. And so God says, I need you to start making sure that the church for the foreseeable future understands their identity. Because here's the truth. We talk a big game on Sundays. We sound something different on Mondays. Come on, work with me and say, y'all look at me like calf looking at Newgate. And I know I can't see your face, but that's all right. We, we, oh, God, I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake my heart. And then Monday, it's like, God, I don't care. I don't want it. And the world's going, what happened to you? Where did you go? Because let me be honest with you. The church culture today is appease God on Sunday and disconnect from him on Mondays. Make him feel good about his position on the throne because that's the day you go in and beg, borrow, and steal to get what you want. And then go back to your Monday and complain how God didn't give it to you in the timeline that you wanted it. And the problem is, is because we do not understand who God is. We just understand that God might give me something. We have turned God into a one-trick pony, a monkey that dances, a sugar daddy who gives me things when I, when I stop my foot loud enough and complain loud enough. God says, time out, because that is not who I desire to be in your life. I desire for you to know me, and I desire to know you. So a few weeks ago, I started to share this thing called identity theology and helped, tried to help you understand that it was time for you and I to stop just going to church to check a box, but to become what he's called us to be. It was time for us as believers to begin to practice what we preach and stop just declaring it on a Sunday or when it's convenient. Identity seems to be one of the biggest issues that people deal with today. Come on, work with me for a second. We want a new house because we see someone else has a new house. We want a new car because someone else has a nicer car. 
We want to lose weight because we see people that have been nipped, tucked, sucked, and plucked and spent millions of dollars to look that way. And then destroy ourselves and beat ourselves up in the mirror because we don't look like the rest of the world. When God called you to be exactly who you are, be comfortable in who you are. Be okay with where you are. Understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God handmade you. He handpicked you. He handformed you. It might not be the perfect body, but baby, you're still here and breathing. And as long as you're breathing, you can change whatever you need to change. But do not be manipulated by the culture. Stop trying to identify yourself with what everyone else has or what everyone else is doing. And identify yourself with how good God is. We're desperately trying to discover who we are instead of walking in whose we are. And until we understand that creation can only be defined by its creator and not the world we live in, then there will always be an identity crisis even in the church. We've identified ourselves by how much we serve. We've identified ourselves by how much we give. We've identified ourselves by whether we're on the platform or serving in a ministry or, 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 or we're, we're in the spotlight. We identify ourselves with how close we are to the pastor. Can I get an amen from somebody? We've identified ourselves with a bunch of foolishness. And the only thing that we should be identifying ourselves with is God. Let, let, me, let me give you just a quick help for just a moment. I am no different than you. And you are no different than me. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You're the pastor. You're the one standing up on the platform. I'm just the one hearing your messages every week. Do you understand that I preach a message on a Sunday so you can go preach a message on a Monday? See, people are like, oh, no, I'm going to wait till Sunday to get the word and so I can get filled up again so I can go and just sit on it all week long and come back and get filled up. No, no, no. I preach on a Sunday so you can go preach on a Monday. It's a handoff. It's a baton. It's a marathon. It's a race. I'm running, and then I'm handing the baton off, and you're supposed to continue the race. And then we come back around, and you might have handed it off to three other people throughout the week, and then you come back to Sunday. Pastor, your turn. Tag, you're it. I get to receive now. Okay, now I'm ready to run. Pastor, I've gotten my rest, and my legs are back on me again. Okay, I'm ready to run. Pastor, hand me the baton. I'm ready to go on a Monday. This is what this thing is all about. It's not about, well, pastor's got all the answers, and we're just dumb sheep sitting in a room and not going to ever do anything. No, God says, listen, I've given you a purpose in the earth. I've given you a destiny in the earth, but you got to understand that your identity is in me and you understand the race that we're running here, the race. Listen, can I just say this? You ever felt like you went to church and yet you still weren't getting anywhere? Let me just, can I just give this to you? The reason you're not getting anywhere is because you're still standing in the same place you were standing on Sunday you came in. And you never ran the race. And you never got your strength and you never got your workout and you never got your running. And then you come back and you're like, wait, nothing changed. It's because you never moved. Because when God speaks to us, he calls us to move, not to stand still. Not to just stand still and whine and complain about our circumstances, but to get up and run the race with endurance to win. It's time for you and I to walk in the fullness of God. It's time for you to know and understand that you are called, chosen, anointed, and more. That is what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. The called, the chosen, anointed, and more. And you go, Pastor, what's more? You'll have to wait until week four to find out. Can I get an amen from somebody? Over the next few weeks, it's my mission. It's my goal. It's my purpose. It's my destiny. It is my desire to not just preach a few good messages where you amen me back, but to make sure that I help you to see that in Christ, you are all of these things. This will become your identity. You won't have to put on a name tag that says your name anymore. You're going to slap this week a name tag that says I'm called. Next week, you're going to slap on a name tag that says I'm chosen. The next week, you're going to slap a name tag that says I'm anointed. And then the following week, you're going to slap a name tag that says I'm more. In other words, I'm more than enough. 
I'm more than able. It's time that we have a better identity. It's time that we shift the way the world sees us. Because let me help you. I don't know if you know this, but the world views the church as a very skewed space. Oh, you're one of those. Yes, I am. Oh, oh, you're one of those weird people who go to church. I don't know if I believe in God. You better believe in something, Bubba, because when it's all over, I'm, it, it, we, we've, been, we've been shoved off into a corner. And, 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 and if, you, if you try to get into the government space where the government starts to push religious freedoms, it, it, people get weird and they get all testy and angered. And, and if you say pray in schools, everybody's like, oh, my God, no. It's, all that is is a demon manifesting. You got to find better identity, not what social media and culture identifies you to be. Can, can I just say this? You know what bothers me right now? This really bothers me right now. That people actually think that their opinions matter. I'm just going to say this to you, and you, you can not like what I say, but I'm going to be honest with you. I get disgusted with what I watch, and I know the people who are posting, and I go, my God, what is wrong with me? Why, why did it even need to be said? Nobody cares what you think that much. Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what God thinks. Tell me what God would say in this moment. Stop telling me what you're... Just because you ate bad food and now have gas does not give, me a, give you a reason to post crud on social media and tell people what you think all the time. Because let me help you what you're doing. Let me just tell you what you're doing. You are separating yourself from people. You are losing your opportunity to reach people because you are so bent in your opinions but not bent on your God. You are bent on what you think needs to be said. What does God say? Everybody that was using the word said what? Thus saith the Lord, not thus saith my opinions. I'm so tired of watching people. I can't believe you posted this, or I can't believe you said this. My wife, okay, let's just talk about this. Let's just talk about this for a second. Let's, I, I, I got to deal with this for a second. This little boy that got shot in the head, okay? Everybody, well, okay, there should have been justice for this, and blah, 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 and okay, all this stuff. If you just post the picture, you get attacked. Just for saying it's sad. Well, if it's sad, what about all this? Shut up! In this moment, we're dealing with this right now. The same way when George Floyd had his issue, we were dealing with George Floyd at the moment. But stop beating each other up because you got an opinion. Because we're killing each other. Let me help you with something. The pandemic has caused such isolation that we're venting on each other. And we're hurting each other where we used to love each other. Because we don't know what to do with this on the inside of us. Crawl into your prayer closet and let God begin to touch you. And watch yourself love one another. Love God and love people. We've got to get back to our identity. Not what social media and culture identifies you to be, but what God has already spoken over you and your family. So this morning, I need to start at the roots. This morning, I need to start at the very basics of this thing. Because I think so many times we as believers, we want to get away from the basics. But the truth be told is the basics are the foundation of your existence. So this morning, I want to talk about called. You are called. Somebody say, I'm called. called. Somebody say it with a little bit of fervency and a little bit of power. Say, I'm called. called. Come on, that was the right side of the room. I don't hear the left side of the room yet. I said, say, I'm called. called. Why do you want me to say this so many times? Because I need you to understand that you're called. But before you get into this space of excitement... Before you start to go, ooh, I'm about to find out my destiny. Ooh, I'm about to find out my purpose in and, 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 and life or, or wrap your head around some kind of mission to change the world or even run off to Bible college because God has now called you to ministry. That is not what I'm referring to this morning. As I began to study this, I grew up in the church where people would always say, I want to know my calling. 
I want to know my calling. I want to know what I'm called to. I want to know what I'm called to. I'm going to help you this morning because I think we have misconstrued, misportrayed, misdirected the church to look for something to do rather than the calling of God. Because in the word, in every scripture I read, it declares that God has called us from one place to another, not to do something, but to be something. Mm. If we say that we're called by God, why did he call us? Yes, we have a mission in the earth. Yes, he desires for each of us to accomplish it. But his call was to pull us out of the grips of hell and put us in right relationship with him. I need you to understand that being called has nothing to do with those things or, or these other issues or, the, or these wants and desires to do great things. You are called, and in order to fulfill the purpose God has on your life, you must first answer his call. We must stop ignoring God's call. God has been calling some of you for years, and you keep going, I don't feel like answering. Or, I don't know that number. That must be a bill collector. Or, or, or ah, not right now, God. I'm not ready to give up what I want right now. God is calling. God continues to call. Here's the great thing about God. God will not kick your door, and he'll keep calling. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. Watch what this says. This is a, a great statement so you understand that the calling of God is not for you to do, but the calling of God is for you to come out. Watch. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. It says this, but you are a chosen generation. This gets good right here. I don't care what you think right now. I don't care what you think about yourself right now. This word is for you. I don't care what you're going through right now. This word is for you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That right there will preach itself doesn't matter what you're going through. This is what the word declares over you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him. Who what? Who did what? Who called you where? Out of what? Called you where? Does it say anything about you doing anything? It says no. Jesus, God himself, called you, spoke to your darkness and said, come here. I'm tired of you living in this pain. I'm tired of you living in this struggle. I'm tired of you building houses in places I never called you to build it. I'm tired of you wondering why your past keeps catching up with your present. I'm tired of you wondering if it's ever going to change. I need you to operate in the called. So I'm calling you out of darkness. I'm calling you out of despair, out of pain, out of struggle, out of situations, and into what? The Bible says that dark and light cannot exist in the same room. Cannot. Cannot. It's impossible for the two things to live at the same time. One will overtake the other. And God says, I've, I've called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Want, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If you and I are going to stay that, say that we are called, then it cannot be defined by what we want to do for him, but rather declare with a loud voice that what he's done for us. Now say I'm called. Because here's the thing. When we've always said, I've got a calling or I'm called by God, we've defined it as I have a position or a title or to do something. And that is not what it is. The calling of God is for you to come out of your past into your present and let God march you into your future. It is a relationship with God. The calling of God is for you to leave sin and find a savior. The calling of God is for you to walk and talk with him in the, in the wilderness and in the cool of the midnight breeze. It, the, the calling of God is for you to to pray and to seek his face. The calling of God is for you to, to, to fast, for you to read your word, for you to celebrate in the church and come under the celebration of one accord. That is what that is. But pastor, that's a to-do. No, that's called relationship. 
to break bread, to listen, to commune. And we have misplaced this statement because I hear it all the time. Pastor, I just want to know what my calling is. It's very simple. Pastor, I'm not in my calling. I, I don't feel like I'm operating in my calling. Let me help you with what you just said. You just told me I'm not walking with God. The moment you say that, the moment you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not in my calling and I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you this. You are not listening to the voice of God. You are listening to the do of what the world is doing because you like spotlights more than you like the coolness of the shadows. I understand that the calling is the first thing. God called me by name. He spoke to me in my mother's womb. He formed me before the foundations of the earth. He was intimate with me. He planned my why. Yes, he's got plans and purposes for me, but I have to answer the call. For the Bible declares that we were all born into this world in sin. We had to receive the Savior. We had to walk away from the past. We had to leave the old things behind and press on towards the new. But we've got to step into that calling. And let me help you with something. Walking in your calling means consistency. It doesn't mean moments. It doesn't mean convenience. It means consistency. I started this week, I've read the Bible in my lifetime seven times, and that's not to brag, I've read it seven times through from cover to cover. I've read it in different books because somebody put out a book years ago called The Story, and it read like a novel. It was really cool to read, and, and then I've read the Bible, and I've read different translations, and then I started another study this week where I'm breaking down a book of the Bible, and I'm doing it as I go. It's not like, oh, i got to check off boxes, because y'all know how that works. First day you check off a box, second day you check off a box, third day you skip a day, fourth day you skip a day. Five days later, you feel like you failed God himself, and you just quit, right? So I'm doing it as I'm paced through it, and I'm done. I'm just in Genesis chapter 1 through 10, and I'm going, my God, where did that come from? You ever had those moments? You read the Bible, and you've read it before, and you go, wait, I never saw that before. And, and, but that's the relationship. That's the calling. The calling is to get alone with him and allow him to speak to you, allow him to give you revelation, allow him to lead and guide you, to allow him to speak to your heart. It softens you. It, it makes you better. Let, let me over something. You want to be a great dad? Walk in your calling. You want to be a great mom? Walk in your calling. You want to be a great sibling? Walk in your calling. Right. What do you mean? Walk with God. Answer his call and stay with him. Stop visiting him and make your residence with him. That is how you stay called. How do I know I'm called by God? Because me and him have an amazing relationship. Because when he calls, I answer. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Let me help you with something. If going back to darkness is that easy, then the light has dwindled. But here's the great part about God. You can go back to him and say, God, my light has dwindled. I need to let my light shine again. God is not going, well, I, you walked away and I, I can't stand. You know, God's going, that's what I've been waiting for. Because those who have a relationship with God will keep coming back. You mean to prove it to you? Look at David. How many times did David screw up? How many times did David mess up? But yet the Bible declares that David was a man after God's heart. Let me tell you why. Because David was walking in his calling. Yeah, but it's because David was king. And da, da. No, David was walking in his calling while he was slinging, and, slinging stones and killing bears and lions and tigers. Oh, oh my. 
He, he was walking in his calling. He, he didn't even know there was a to-do on his life. He was walking in his calling. What, why, why was he, Pastor, well, you was just killing animals and protecting the sheep. Yeah, but the Bible says that it was in those moments that he was worshiping God. He was spending time with God. He was listening to God. And it was so powerful on him that when Samuel came to find the next king of Israel, he, when, he, when he called all of the boys together, he said, wait, there's still one more. And he said, we'll wait until David gets here. And then he anointed David as king. Why? Because David had relationship. David was walking in his calling. The calling wasn't to be king. That was the, the the next step. The calling was to be with God, to commune with God, to have relationship with God. That's how David didn't freak out when the anointing oil flowed onto his head because he was already called by God. Let me help with something. When you're walking in your calling, it will not freak you out when God puts you in a position to do something greater than you can do. If you and I are going to say that we're called, then it cannot be defined by what we want to do for him, but rather declare with a loud voice that what he's done for us. Being called is not going out. It is a coming to. Watch this. Being called is not you going out. Being called is, God, I'm coming to you. Coming out of your pain, coming out of your hurts, coming out of your past, coming out of your brokenness, out of your news, out of your struggles, out of your sin, out of the old and into the new, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Can, can I just sit here for two seconds? I got so much more to go, but, but I, I got to sit here for just a second. How many of you remember when you got saved? Show me your hand. Remember you got saved and you asked Christ in your heart? You remember how powerful that was? Come on, work with me for a second. I still remember it, and I was like seven, six. You passed, you didn't get saved when you were six. Oh, yeah, I did. And the reason I went to the altar was because they gave away cool cassette tapes when you got saved. And I had a little Fisher-Price radio. They had a little, you know, big buttons. Y'all know the old school. Some of y'all old like me, right? You remember the Fisher-Price radios? Okay, the old kid ones. And so I was like, man, I'm going to get the tape. And had no idea going to the altar, I was going to get broken. Had no idea, but by the time I got to the altar, I'd be weeping as a child. Not knowing what I was walking into, but just got ravaged by the presence of God at the altar. And gave my heart up to the Lord and gave, gave my life to God. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you. I have walked out of that light at moments. I have walked out of that light. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Yeah. Phil, Pastor, thank God you said it because I didn't want to say I did it. Yes, I have walked out of the light at moments. I have made mistakes. I have walked out of the light. Let me tell you why I walked out of the light because it never became marvelous to me. See, here's the truth. Most times in the church today, when God calls us from where we are to where he wants us to be, we do not identify the light as marvelous. We just identify it as a different place. And everybody wants to be in a different place because we always think the grass is greener on the other side. So then we have a tendency when the grass dies to run back to the darkness because it was still fun over there too. See, the difference, it says, I've called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, when you get into that light, you marvel. That's crazy. Why would I ever want to leave that? That, no, 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 I'm not going back there. No, and look, 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 you notice you have a tendency to keep wanting to do it, right? You have a tendency to want to slide back. But then you go, no, 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 that's still, that's still way more powerful. The only reason that we step back into the darkness is because we never understood that the light was marvelous. We just wanted it something different because we were in struggle when we came to him. It is time for you and I to operate as the called. If we say that we're called by God, why did he call us? Yeah, we have a mission. But his call was to pull us out of the grips of hell, into relationship with him. If I'm called, then I have been removed from myself and relocated in him. 
If you've been through some stuff, if you're going through some stuff right now, if you know that you're going to go through stuff at a later date, you must begin to declare that you are called by God, called to rejoice in his goodness, mercy, and grace, called to rejoice that because of Christ, what you went through didn't kill you. That was for y'all that amen, and I, I know there's more amens in this room. Called to rejoice that because of Christ, what you went through did not kill you, did not destroy you, did not cause you to die and go to hell. God says, I'm more than I. Come on. It, that, that's that right there is enough in enough of itself. But, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. But I know what God can do. Pastor, you don't know all my struggles, but I know that he's more than capable, more than able. I know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. My God, can we just rejoice in the fact that we're just here? Called to rejoice that because of Christ, what you went through didn't kill you. Called to rejoice that the afflictions that you are dealing with right now, according to the word of God, watch this, are yet but temporary. Oh, it's forever. We're going to have to wear these stupid masks forever. It's never going to change. Everybody's going to die. Shut up. The word says that these afflictions are yet but temporary. Act like they're going somewhere, not like they're taking residence. Called to rejoice in whatever comes. God is already in it, and he'll see you through it. Answering the call of God is not to launch you, but to enlarge God in you. Sit on that one for a second. Answering the call of God is not to launch you into something great. It is to enlarge the purpose of God and the promise of God and the relationship of God. Enlarge it on the inside of you so that you can reflect him more than you reflect you. If we say that we're called, why is it we're not doing it? How many of you are called in this room right now? You as pastor, I now give my heart to God. You're still called. Because he called you even if you haven't answered yet. And he's waiting for you to answer. This word defines a relationship, not a weekly visitation to a Sunday service. If I'm called by God, then my desire is to walk with God, to talk with God, to rest in God, to find my joy and peace in God. I cannot say that I'm called by God and keep ignoring him when he calls my name. This led me to my favorite scripture. This is probably literally one of my favorite scriptures because it defines me. It defines my life, and I think it defines most of our lives in this room, and that is Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I press on. I don't build a house in my junk. I move on. I step away from that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting, 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 forgetting. You cannot be called by God and keep reminiscing about the days of old. Well, I remember when it was better, and I remember when it wasn't this hard, and I remember when I had everything I wanted, and I remember when it was so much easier, and I remember, I also remember when you were sinning going to hell, too. I, I remember when everybody liked me, and I remember when I had all my, that, and everything was perfect, and I remember when I had my money, and I remember, and I, I, nobody quit on me, and I remember, shh. I remember when God called you out of your pain. I remember when God held you in the midnight hour. I remember when God walked you through that season that you didn't think you'd ever come out of. 
I remember when God spoke to you and gave you new dreams and destinies. I remember when you thought nothing else was going to happen, but yet God was there in the midst of it. And I know that the Bible says that your mother and father might forsake you, but God never will. I was, I, I remember, I, I remember, I, I forget the mess behind me and I, and I do what? I, I press on. I forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, reaching forward. Can, church, can we just reach forward a little bit more? Can we reach, lean in a little bit? Come on, lean, you got to lean in a little bit. You can't just keep standing back and going, I hope I get there, hope I get there. No, you got to lean in a little bit, reaching forward to what's ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the what? Upward call. In other words, God says, I'm calling you up. It's kind of like the minor leagues. When you get called up, you go from nothing to something. Come on, work me. You're playing for a minor league club. You might not even sure if you're going to keep a job. Most guys who play in the minor leagues don't just play for the minor leagues. They, they have full-time jobs too because they're just making ends meet. But when they get that call up to the majors, like that's the moment. That's the place. And, and God says it's just the same way. You, you, you started in this world in the minors, and then I called you. And then you answered the call, and, and now you have a purpose and a destiny and, and all these great things, but you have even greater relationship with me because you can play for the minor league club, but you might not know the owner of the big league team. You can go to church on Sundays, but never know the God you're worshiping on Sundays. You can even leave church and go home and pray, but never really understanding who you're praying to. You're just hoping that something will hear your voice. Rather than understanding that God says that when you pray, when you make intercession, God hears and he moves. Oh, Pastor, I prayed and God didn't move. How do you know? He might just not have moved the way you wanted him to move. Doesn't mean he didn't move. Doesn't mean he wasn't operating. Doesn't mean he wasn't working on your behalf. God was always moving. Watch this. If we are walking in our calling or operating in being called, we wouldn't have to keep letting God know we were in the room of his presence. Come on, you ever prayed that prayer? God, I go to church, and God, I serve you, and God, I, God, you know, you know my heart, and God, God, you ever had that prayer? Come on, work with me for a second. Please don't look like I'm dumb. I prayed that prayer. God, you, you know, you, you, God, I mean, I serve you. I pray for people. I preach every Sunday. God, I, why, why me, God? If we were really operating in our calling, we wouldn't have to say that to God because we would have already walked in the room, and he would have seen us, and we would have seen him. There would have been no defining of why we were there. Whoa, 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 whoa why are you here today? Well, I'm here to, I'm here to worship the Lord. No, it's, it's my response. It's my heart. It's my desire because I, I have relationship with him. He would already know because we have already answered the call. We're already walking in the call. The only reason we have to announce that we came is because we have been ignoring his calling and things have now gotten so bad that we are in crisis mode. Crisis mode does not exist for those that are called because those that are called do not have time for a crisis. Mm. I'm, 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 thank you, Pastor Ben. I appreciate that. Crisis mode does not exist for those that are called. God help me. I'm going to throw water at y'all in a minute. Crisis mode doesn't exist for the called. Y'all getting scared now because I took the lid off. I see you. It will be my first time. Why is it that we as the church are always in crisis mode? Walk with me, but y'all look. I wish I could see y'all's face right now. It's really hard to judge your eyeballs. I'm just being honest. We're always in crisis mode. We're all going, oh, God, 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 oh, God. God's going, yeah, I'm right here. Always been here. Where'd you go? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. They didn't like my post on Facebook. <laughs> ah! They didn't.
and smile at me. God's going, seriously. Because when you're called, you just don't care. Because you know that God has already covered all the cares of the world. You just don't, oh, Pastor, we're in a pandemic, and what we got, what we going to do? Pastor, you're sick, or are you dying? No. Pastor, you had a heart condition, and the enemy, no, he didn't, shut up. Can, can I just say, Pastor Dylan and I had a conversation the other day, back in the office, and, we, and, and I'm, I'm of that fervent belief that the church today gives more credit to the devil than we give to God. Okay, that's just my sidebar. Because we spend more time talking about the attacks than we do the promise and the victory that we have in him. We spend more time caught up in the pain rather than the freedom that Christ brings. We just got to get to the place where we say, you know what, I'm going to embrace the freedom. Even though there might be struggle, God has already overcome it. I just need to get myself in alignment with his overcoming power. Right? And, and, and we were talking about how uh, a lot of times, you know, we say things like generational curses. Y'all have heard that statement in the church? Generational curses. Now watch this, watch this. If Christ has set you free, how do you have a curse? And this is what I told Pastor Dylan. I said, the only reason generational curses came up in the church is because we had to find somebody to blame for our sin nature. So I'm going to blame someone else instead of take responsibility that God needs to change something on the inside of me. Let me help with something. I come from a busted, messed up family. But let me help with something. Nothing that they did is going to determine what I do in this lifetime. Because I am the righteousness of my father, not the people who created me. I am the righteousness of the one who created me and formed me in his image. I just need to get lined up with his image and walk in that. And if I can walk in that, there is no such thing as generational curses. My kids are never going to have a generational curse because God already broke this curse of sin off my life. And it's not going to grab a hold of them because I believe what the word says. The word promises that if, if I'm good, he's good. If I lead him, raise your children in the fear and admission of the Lord, and when they get older, they won't, what, depart from it. Let me help with something. The only reason that that doesn't work with a lot of parents today is because they're not raising their kids in the fear and admission of the Lord because they're slipping out of the marvelous light back into the darkness and wondering why their kids keep running back to it. They're only going to follow by example. They're only going to do what you lead. you got to stay consistent. you got to stay identified and walk in your identity as the called. Crisis mode does not exist for those that are called because those that are called do not have time for a crisis. They know who Christ is and they are in him. You go from a crisis to Christ is. When the crisis comes, you regurgitate who Christ is. When struggle comes, this is who Christ is. When this comes, this is who Christ is. When that comes, this is who Christ is. I don't hear the word crisis. I hear the word Christ is. Because in every trial, in every tribulation, my word says that God always makes a way of escape. There is nothing in my life that I can't overcome. Because I'm called. I'm called. I have good relationship with God. And I'm going to say this to you real quick. I think that sometimes we identify our relationship based on the do. Well, well, if I go to church, I'm in relationship. Or if I, or if I do this, I'm in relationship. I, look, okay, generational spaces, um, uh, age spaces. I, I do a lot of counseling a lot of times with married couples. And a lot of times what comes up in a relationship counseling session is a husband will tell me this. Well, I work and I provide. That's love. And all the women said, No. Well, well, but, but that's the way I was raised. As long as I work and provide and the bills are paid, I am loving. No. That's the do. The love is the relationship. 
The love is the community. But I'm not good at that. So you got to work at it. You got to keep staying at it. Because if you don't stay in it, it's not going to last. Because that, look, I, I say this to people all the time communication is 90% of your intimacy. This is not a marital class, but just so you know, 10% is the other thing. Amen. But 90% is communication. I had to learn this when I got married. Because my wife, I'd come home from work, and she'd ask me, what did you do today? Men, what was the answer? I worked. <laughs> come on, work. I mean, y'all, men, y'all know what I'm talking about. I worked. I, what, what you want from me? I worked. Well, what what'd you do? The next day, you come back home. What would you do today? The same thing I did yesterday. I worked. Like, what, but no, but what did you do? I worked. What, what do you want from me? What kind of witchcraft is this? What do you want? And she started, started to help me understand that it's not that she wants to know. She knows I went to work. She wanted to be a part of my day. And what she was trying to speak to me was that I missed you. And I want to know what happened in your day because I want to have a part of your existence. I don't want to just see you when you come home. And so for, for like, it was like for a couple months, she'd come home, I'd come home and I'd sit on, I'd take a shower or whatever, and then when Judah was baby, and, and, and I'd get a baby to go to bed, and I'd get on the bench, and I'd, she'd go, okay, you ready? I'm like, are you ready? She's like, yeah, I'm ready. All right, this morning, I woke up at 6 o'clock, hit the snooze button six, six times, got out of bed, went to the bathroom. Yes, I went to the bathroom. If you want to know what I did, I'll tell you. Okay, uh, I got in the shower. All right, my back was hurting. I prayed that God would heal my back. I came out of the bathroom and saw you still sleeping like this. And was a little envious, a little bit jealous, a little bit frustrated because you were still asleep and I had to go to work. And so then I, I walked up and I politely kissed you on the cheek and you went, and then you went back to sleep. And then I went and got in the car and, and I, I got to work. And well, on the way to work, I stopped and got a, uh, at that point it was a CC Coffees, was it Mocha Sippy, is that what they call those things? Uh, those things will jack you up because they're pure sugar. And, uh, and, and I would go to work and then I, and then I did da, da, da. And then finally she got to a point she's like, okay, I don't need here anymore. But here's the truth of it. I needed to communicate to her. How do you think God is? Do you think that the only time God wants to hear from you is when you want something? Or maybe when you get up tomorrow morning, you might get in the car and say, hey, God, I just want you to tell you how awesome you are. Do you understand that when you start to do that, you're walking in your calling? Because you have answered his call for you. How many times has God said to you, hey, can we talk? And you didn't respond. Hey, Brian, can, can, we, can, we, can we just talk on the, can you turn the radio off? Can you, can you turn the cell phone off for a minute? Can, can you and I just have some time? I need some time with you, Brian. God, God can, can we get to it later? I got, I got 17 things on my schedule. But yet, Brian, if you had you spent time with me this morning, I would have helped you conquer that schedule a lot quicker than you conquered it because I would have given you the wisdom to walk through that moment. I would have given you the ability to see the things that you didn't need to deal with, things that you needed to hand off to somebody else or needed to throw away because you didn't need them in your life. But did you got all these things on your schedule and your to-do list is three pages long and you didn't even let me in to see your to-do list because you think you have to conquer everything without me. That's not relationship. That's not answering the call. That's having a person in your life that's only there to give you what you want when you want it. And here's the problem. You're never going to get it. Let me give you this last bit of scripture. First Samuel chapter three. I'm going to read this storyline because I need you to see it the way God showed it to me. First Samuel chapter three, verse two through nine. It talks about Samuel being called by God. It says, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out, of the ta- out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. 
So he ran to Eli, his dad, and said, here I am. You called me? He said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. So Samuel went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now watch this. Verse 7 says, it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. How many times do you skip that part? Samuel didn't know the Lord, and the revelation of the God had not yet come to him. So he had no understanding of who God was, but yet God was still calling. God was still speaking to him. Here's the other part that you kind of missed when I read through it. Do you realize where he was? He was in the tabernacle next to the presence of God, and yet still did not know God. So this proves to me that no matter where you are, God is still calling. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord has called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Speak, or your servant hears. You notice that Samuel said, God, here I am. I'm ready to be used by you. He said, nope, I'm just going to listen. Which tells me that when God calls, it's about relationship more than it is about your abilities. It is not about what you think you can accomplish. It's about what he can accomplish in you and through you. It's about you becoming his and him becoming yours. It's about you connecting to the things of God, not connecting to a, a, a position or a title or, or to do something. It's, it's just, man, I just want to be with him. If we would receive salvation and begin to walk as though we're called, I think we would have less recommitments to the kingdom. Because once you've answered the call, you can't say you didn't answer it. As long as you call and I don't answer, I can say I didn't get the call. But the moment I've answered the call, I can never say again that I did not get a call. The calling of God is not a to-do, but, to, but it is to be received. God makes the call, we receive it. Then we walk in his calling. When we make this statement that I want to walk in his calling, we are declaring that we desire to walk in right relationship with God. It is only then that you and I can declare that we are called. Does this help a little bit? Because I, for years, a calling was something you did. And then God says, Brian, it's not something you do. It's something you come to. It's something you desire to live in. Brian! Yeah, God, I'm coming. See, here's the thing. It's like, it's like at home. If, if, I'm, if I'm at home and, and I go, Judah, and I get this, yeah? First of all, did you just yeah at me? Come on, parents, work with me for a second. But the only reason I'm calling is because I want to talk to him. I don't want to shout at him. That makes sense? I'm calling him to do what? Come here. Now, there are moments where I'll call him and I'll come to him. That doesn't mean like... I'm going to sit on my butt and you will come to me because you're my boy and I'm a dad and you do. No. What I'm saying is, is that when I call him, it's because I desire for us to come together at some point. Not, 
I'm going to call, and it's just keep distance. Y'all understand that the relationship with God is not a long-distance relationship. Those don't work. But yet when I call my son, I call him because I want to be in close proximity to him so I can share with him what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or what we need to do together or what, what needs to happen. Or maybe just share some love with him or whatever. Just, hey, hey, come here. I love you. Whatever that is, it doesn't always have to be a to-do. It, uh, sometimes it's just, hey, man, can't, you want to go to the store with me? Because the truth be told is I don't like to go by myself. And I like time with my kids. I like time with my family. And, and, and so I, I, I go to, and Tiff knows this. I'll go to the kids before I leave the house. Hey, you want to come with me? Now, usually they'll say yes because they think something's in it for them. Amen? Look, he's there. He's there. He's there. Yesterday we went to the store to get something, and, and, and he comes to me and goes, I don't, I don't want to go and stay home. And he comes to me and goes, oh, I might go. Y'all get any food? I'm like, boy. Or, 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 or we go to the store, Dad, I really need this. And look, I did it, and I don't give him a hard time about it. I, I do give him a hard time about it, but I don't because I did the same thing. I, I'd go to stores and ask my mama for something, and she wouldn't answer me, and I'd go, <laughs> And then I'd ask again, hoping that maybe this time she would see me sulking, and, Mom, can I? No. <laughs> and I, we all did it. Come on, we all, we all tried to play our parents. Sometimes we got backhanded for it, amen, but we tried, Amen. <laughs> Or we got punished for it, whatever it might be. But, but at the end of the day, I, I call him because I desire to be with him. I, I'm not real good. Like, okay, I'm tattling myself for a second. Uh, I'm not real good at calling my wife during the day. I get into work mode. I'm a work guy. So once I get into that box, it's hard to get me out of it. And I'm just, I'm right here. And I can go, I can go eight hours and not talk to anybody. Once I'm in work mode, I'm just, I'm gone. That was the other day. I just, I was, I got up and I walked from my office to here to do something in the sound booth. And, and uh, I just grabbed the phone. I said, I, you know, I ain't talked to my wife today. I didn't call her because I was trying to be nosy in what she was doing. Or I didn't call her because I, I just wanted to do my due diligence. I, I, I had a desire to be next to her. So I said, hey, babe, what you doing? And she's like, the kids are driving me nuts. I said, I'm sorry. I'll be in prayer. Okay. And she said, she said, everything's good. And I said, Are you feeling okay? She said, Yeah, I'm feeling good. She says, a good day, yeah, it's a good day. Okay. I love you. I love you too. We got off the phone and I and I, I got off the phone not feeling like I had accomplished something. I got off the phone without distance. Had she not answered the call, I would have continued to feel the emptiness. Every day of our lives, God calls us. He wakes us up in the morning. He gives you breath, fresh breath of life. And he calls to you and says, hey, come on, let's go walk in the cool of the garden. And if we deny him, if we don't answer the call, I believe this with all my heart, God has a void because we won't walk with him. And I love God too much to make him walk in a void. So, God, I, I might be tired, and I, my body might be worn out, and I might be weary. And, and, God, I might have said some stuff last night in frustration I probably shouldn't have said. But, but God, you're calling me. It's okay, I'm walking. I'll put my hand in the hand of the man that walks on water. I'll trust you to lead me. In fact, God, I'll, I'll trust you so much, I'll close my eyes and not even tell, try to figure out where we're headed. I'll just trust you. Because my life before you was horrible. My life with you is amazing. 
because I'm called by you. I've talked to people over the years who said, Pastor, I don't have a father, I don't have a mother. I, I, I've missed that part or got hurt by my parents. I don't understand the love of a parent. And I said to him, I say to him all the time, let God love you. The greatest thing I ever did was let God become my dad. I stopped searching for a man to be a father, and I found out that the one who created dads was the greatest God on the greatest dad on the planet. And I found, but Pastor, it's not the same. It's not the embrace. It's not the physical, tangible. Let me help you with something. Physical and tangible can be overrated sometimes. I promise you this, the one that every time I've ever called on him, he's never failed. And trust me, I've called on him a lot in my lifetime. But I remember saying this to one somebody one day. He said, Pastor, I've never heard what it sounds like for a dad to call me. I said, what do you mean, like, to call my name? Because I've never heard that sound before. And that's why I said to him, I said, why don't you let God call your name? And I remember the next, like, the next week they came back to me and said, Pastor, that was crazy. I said, what do you mean? He said, I woke up one morning and I could hear God call my name. Like, hear. And he said, it shot right down to the soles of my feet. And every bit of pain that I had ever felt was completely healed. Because I heard my father call me. God is calling you. He's calling you to be called. When you say you're called, you're walking in relationship with him. When you say you're called, you're committed and consistent with him. Not in the do, but in the relationship. You are not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I have a desire to be with God. To hear from God. To commune with God. So that I can walk my life first and foremost before I'm chosen, anointed, and step into the more. I have to walk in my calling. I have to walk being called. I will hear his voice. He will hear my petitions. And we will be in right relationship together.